0: Welcome to to, to, to the Unity Factor.
1: Hello, it's your host Julian Fernandez back for another episode of the Unity Factor with co-hosts Josh John and Jonah Wade. Today we have a fantastic guest on, the Pat Cannon. Pat was the former senior class president of the class of 2020 at Penn Charter. Pat also started the Young Republicans Club and is very involved in politics. Today we'll discuss the upcoming election between Trump and Biden We'll be asking Pat his views on Trump and his platform. So welcome, Pat. It's great to
2: be on. Thank
1: you. So, Pat, what particularly drew you to
3: Trump in 2016? What, what made you so enamored with the Donald?
2: Well, I mean, that's like a loaded question. Like at first, I really didn't like him. Like I was with uh, Ted Cruz. And, and uh, uh, just over time, I saw how like people distorted what he was actually trying to say. And just, like, his message of, like, pro-America, like, America first is, like, his whole feel, like, started resonating with me. So I got on the Trump train, I guess you could say.
3: Yeah, that makes sense. So, I mean, did you support him in the general out of spite for Hillary, or did you genuinely like Trump? Because I know a lot of guys supported Trump because they just did not like Hillary at all. That's kind of what pushed him over the edge. So how was that for you?
2: Well I mean it was both. When the Hollywood access tapes came out, I like briefly wanted Hillary and Mm -hmm. I was like I don't know how I can support this guy. Then I realized like policy wise, like how much is at stake. I was like,
0: I guess I gotta I couldn't even vote then. Like I just support it ideologically. So do you think that you've been satisfied policy wise with how he's doing and and how do you think he's handling the current situation with COVID and also, like, the civil unrest is happening all around the city?
2: Well, I've been pretty satisfied so far. Like, obviously, with any president, like, there's stuff I'd like to see change. Like, I really don't think, overall, the coronavirus response is that adequate. Like, I think if he, from the beginning, kind of, like, hammered down the use of masks, we wouldn't be where we are right now. But that being said, I do think he has a point in saying, like, like, Democratic governors and mayors are purposely keeping parts of the economy closed just so it'll reflect poorly on Trump. So prior to
3: coronavirus, what did did you like that Trump was getting done during the first three and a half years of his administration?
2: I mean, first off, I think his foreign policy is like pretty great. Like he got rid of the Iran deal. He withdrew us from the World Health Organization. He's making trade deals with the new NAFTA deal, USMCA, made trade deals with Europe. Um, it, it was in the process of making one with China until coronavirus happened, and then just, just literally just recently, no one even covers this. We reached a peace deal, or Israel did with the UAE, which Jared Kushner and others helped with, and like no one really covers that. But that's a historic agreement, and I wish it was covered more. So
3: you talked about Kushner. Do you think that it's a problem to have family members within the West Wing?
2: I mean. To an extent, but I mean, if they're getting the job done, I don't really see a problem with it. Like if like Malia Obama got a job for dad, like, and she was doing work for the American people, I like, see no problem.
3: So I guess looking forward to 2020, what do you want to see Trump get done during these possible next four years?
2: Well, I mean, definitely just like reach across the aisle more. Like I read an article that most of his major accomplishments Were done by executive order, not necessarily like through Congress. And I'd give 60% of that blame to Nancy Pelosi because she won't work with Trump, and Trump is the exact same way. But like, there's things that everyone can agree on. Like they worked on the first step, that first step act, and that got passed, which is good. Like everyone agrees we need like an infrastructure bill, and but they refuse to work with each other. So. I'd love to see infrastructure get done, more trade deals overall, like lowering health costs. We all agree health costs should be lowered. Maybe tackle lowering college tuition. Yeah, they can work with that. I think that'd be good.
0: We constantly monitor the polls. And, you know, we just had the Democratic and Republican national conventions. Did you watch either of them? And uh, if so, like, what were your thoughts? I didn't really watch either because I don't know. I've already made up my mind. But, that's very that's yeah. very fair. I didn't watch the Democratic one. I watched some of the Republican one, but I couldn't really stomach the Democratic one personally. I mean, as like a you know a left winger, it's like hard because they brought in Republicans and they gave they gave almost no speaking time to uh, like progressive leaders, and it just kind of shows that they're just like spitting in our <laughs> face. You know, there's a huge divide in the Democratic Party between like the left wing and the the centrist wing, and you can tell that. You know, they don't really—they value the center swing and they value, you know, those policies and that ideology much more than the left wing, which is where the future of the party is. Mm -hmm. And so it it kind of felt like a slap in the face, kind of like a middle finger to me to watch, you know, guys like John Kasich and Colin Powell and you know Michael Bloomberg and shit have so much speaking time when AOC got sixty seconds, and you know, of course they give Bernie a speech, but like that's like. If you didn't, if you wouldn't have given Bernie speech, that would be like just atrocious. So, and, and also the fact that kind of all what they're going on is not really a policy base they're, you know, I mean, I, I would say both parties are not really focusing on policy as much as identity and culture, mm-hmm. but I think that Democrats have a, an, a chance to like, you know, put policy forward they have some stuff that's supported by the majority of people. But they're choosing to focus on Trump bad, Trump bad, Trump bad all the time. And that might work because, you know, because of the situation we're in right now, but it might not. And it feels like they're doing every possible thing they can do to like try to make it as close as possible. And I would not be surprised at this point on uh, September 2nd, 2020. I mean, things change every day, but I would not be surprised if they fuck it up right now and Trump, you know, I think it's their election to lose because the situation we're in now with COVID and with the economy and with all the civil unrest, but they could easily fuck it up. And I would not at all be surprised if, if Trump wins.
1: Do you think they're going off more of a, too much of a beat Trump and the moderates are the way to beat Trump and not be that in
0: 2016 with Hillary and look what happened, you know? And, and Biden has some stuff, you know, like, he has he made some concessions on climate, he made some concessions on economy and the other stuff, but he's not focusing on that. That's not the lane he's going in.
2: But I mean what does concession mean? Like Biden has no backbone. He hasn't stood for this for fifty years of his life, but he'll say whatever to get him some more votes. Like who actually knows
0: what he'll do in all Oh absolutely. I I, I will never defend Biden and his record. But like mm-hmm. all like what you know, I think he's a ter- he has a terrible record. He's a record of a moderate Republican to be honest, if you look at it objectively in in an age where the democratic party is more left leaning than any time before, since maybe like the 1930s. But I think going to identity is just like, you're not playing, if you want the young people, the young people could see through all that shit, you know, like we need more, you know, I'm not going to be able to vote, but speaking as a young person who pays attention to stuff, I need more than just like Trump is bad. Kamala is a, you know, first black woman to be nominated to vice president, like, okay, I get it. Is there any, anything else, you know? And if they can't provide adequate, adequate anything else, then I think you'll see a lot of left-wingers and a lot of young people sit out just because, you know, yeah, I get it, Trump bad, but like, if you're not going to offer, if you're not going to offer me the solutions that I want to see, then like, especially in a pandemic, voting is going to be such a pain in the ass now. You got to either, you know, go stand in long lines or you got to do this whole mail-in ballot hassle. Like, I, I think you're going to see among young people, you know, not as big of a turnout as you would, ex- people would expect.
3: So going off of that, you know, election year, pandemic, racial reckoning, all that, what do you think about how Trump has approached this, you know, unprecedented time regarding mail-in voting and, you know, selling doubt about the legitimacy of this election four months out of it? Like, do you think that's... Bad for a country, or do you think, like, what do you think about that?
2: I just think the whole thing's so dumb. Like, why does everyone need to mail and vote in the first place? Like, that is a fear mongering tactic. Like, if we can go to the grocery stores with masks on, we can go to like Wawa for like any anywhere, like, we can go. Why can't we vote with like the same restrictions? It, it's a political game, like, third and third, even like Trump's. Even as a political game too. I like I'll say that, but like the whole thing is just so dumb to begin with. Like if people can go out, like they can certainly go
0: vote. You know? Do you think at all? There's a connection between, um, you know, Trump talking negatively about mail-in voting and the fact that you know he's down in the polls right now. You think he's using it as like an out to be like, see, not an excuse per se, but like he can use it as a justification for for contesting the election results?
2: I mean, you kind of asked me to like look into the future and like into Trump's mind, like I have no idea. Well, all I can say is that in 2016, when Trump said in the second debate, I believe, I might contest the election results and everyone freaked out. And then immediately after the 2016 election, Hillary contested the results. And that's all he have been trying to do during his presidency is to delegitimize his winning. Like, I haven't really seen Trump do any of that. I've seen mostly Democrats try and, like, delegitimize the election and trying to steal this one. Yeah. And I I wouldn't even say he's down in the polls. Like, I practice polls every day, and I think he's definitely coming back up from his, I'd say, summer slump. And I I think some states are going to surprise people.
3: So... You say delegitimize 2016 and then steal mm-hmm. 2020. What do you mean by that? Because, I mean, first of all, Trump was the only one that was trying to delegitimize the whole process in 2016 until Wisconsin, Michigan, and Pennsylvania put them over the top by like a handful of votes. I think it was 80,000 in total. So, I mean, what do, you, what do you mean by delegitimizing and then trying to steal it in 2020? Because if mail-in voting is a thing this year, most states more people are going to be able to vote. And honestly, I don't see a problem with more people being able to vote. I think as Americans, we should want as many people as legally possible to vote no matter who they vote for. Mm -hmm. What do you consider as delegitimizing and stealing?
2: Well, just like the immediate recounts afterwards, blaming it on Russians. I don't know you guys probably believe Russians stole it. There's obviously some sort of interference. Then they had the impeachment. They have. Well, like, they had like four different impeachment votes until like the main one last year. It's just like consistent trying to say like you're not our president. Like you should not be in office. I, I think they stole it from Bernie twice. I think Jonah might agree with me on that. Yep. Uh, like the DNC just has ways of like infiltrating like moderators, like a given debate. And I, I, I don't know. I just really think it could be stolen. So,
3: do you do you believe that the Russians interfered in the elections twenty sixteen? Well,
2: I mean, yes, I already said that, but not directly. Like Trump did not collude with them directly.
3: All right, that's fair. Did the impeachment? Do you call it what you call a witch hunt a hoax?
2: Yes. Yeah, why the impeachment came out and he was acquitted. So,
0: that's all I <laughs> need to say. I think I mean, back to the Russia thing sorry if I can just jump in. I do agree that like the democratic, you know, the the CNN pundits and the MSNBC pundits and all that that the democratic kind of leadership circles, I think they they use, you know, I think they they overdo it with the Russia thing like I think there there was I haven't, you know, looked at too much into this. I know the Mueller report didn't find any concrete evidence but I know there was some meddling with like Facebook ads and all that stuff. But I think a lot of times they like Russia is used to like take blame away from the Democrats for like being terrible strategists and being and not listening to the will of their own voters. Honestly, a lot of people blamed Hillary's loss on Russia, like solely on Russia saying Russia hadn't interfered. We would have won, you know, yep. and instead of doing that, I think look, there's there was there a role in in the election from Russia? Like probably, you know, I'd have to look more into it. Um, but like, firstly, you got to look at the the mistakes you made, the the strategical errors. And I think that they, I genuinely think that they they had a perfect strategy and they they're doing everything right. But oh, it was those damn Russians that stole it from us. And when in reality, they're not giving a message that appeals to a massive amount of people. That's why you saw a lot of people sit out in 2016. I'm I'm, I'm not saying it's going to be the same in 2020 because we're in a very distinct circumstance right now. But, but if that happens, I would not be bl- blaming on Russia. I'd be blaming it at their poor messaging and at their poor strategy.
3: So, Pat, do you think that the administration's done enough to protect our election this year, this election cycle, because we know the Iranians, the Russians, a whole host of Maligned groups are trying to influence our elections this year, and DHS just sent a letter over to Congress that they're not going to be briefing them in person anymore on election security. There's a bunch of election measures that Mitch McConnell hasn't even brought up to the floor in the Senate. So, do you think that Trump and McConnell and them have done enough to secure our
2: elections? I don't really know how to answer that question because I don't really know what's going on. I've read articles that some countries are trying to help Biden, others are trying to help Trump. That scene, you just mentioned China and Iran. Like, I believe they're trying to help Biden. I read an article about that. You can pull it up right now if you'd like. And people say Russia's trying to help Trump. It's just, I I don't know the validity of these claims. It sounds like a lot of, like, fear-mongering to me, to be honest. So I'm just kind of, I really don't have an opinion on, this, like, the election security. And I think the best way to do election security is to vote in person mail-in voting i feel like could easily very easily fall apart and threaten our election security
3: well i mean colorado utah i think utah has been doing it for a couple decades now fully mail-in they've had like less than half a percent of fraud i know that was colorado out of 16 million they had nine fraudulent ballots over what was it 10 years or whatever so I mean, mail-in voting has proven to be secure, not only by these states, but by multiple studies as well.
0: What I think is going to happen with mail-in voting, I think, yeah, like there's not much evidence that like people are like doing voter fraud or anything, but I will think that it's going to cause confusion in the results because <clears throat> there's going to be a lot of people that vote in person and there's going to be a, probably even more people that vote by mail. So you're going to have all the in-person ballots counted first. They're going to say one thing but then there's going to be a massive amount of mail-in votes that probably are going to say something different. You know, if you just look at the states that are more open, a lot of them are are, uh, red states. A lot of them are states that are going to go for Trump. So I think you're going to have a lot of Trump votes early, and then you're going to have a lot of Biden votes late. If I had to guess, I would say that Trump is going to either declare victory or like, you know, the Trump campaign is going to believe they're in a really good spot. And then you're going to have a lot of these mail and vote votes coming in. I don't think it's going to be all in one day. I mm-hmm. think it'll be more of an election month than an election day.
2: I mean, yeah, um, look at
0: the Iowa caucus this year. Like,
2: it took what, like a week to get the full results. Both Bernie and Pete Buttigieg claimed victory. Mm-hmm. Like, Josh, you say like not having mail in ballots is dangerous. I think two people claiming victory could be extremely dangerous. That could lead to a civil war.
0: I don't mean – I don't think it's going to go to a civil war, but I I think you're just – I don't think it'll go there. I think most likely you'll have a situation where Trump claims victory and then a lot of mail-in ballots come in and they show either Biden winning or it becomes a very close margin. And then can you recount with mail-in ballots is another thing. I I don't think that mail-in ballots undermines the security, but I think it's going to make the the results and the timing and the order a little murky, plus adding the fact – that there's going to be massive lines in these polling places that are open because of the pandemic. Obviously, you can't have people packed in a room. You know, people are going to be waiting outside. pass. Plus, there's a shortage of poll workers. On top of that, you know, plus who knows if the postal service can handle millions and millions of ballots coming in? I mean, I don't p- think people are going to fraudulently ballot, put send ballots to a to a significant degree. But I think there's just like it's just. I think the whole process is just going to be a mess. You know, I think eventually it'll get sorted out. But at first, I think there's going to be a lot of confusion and that could lead to some conflict because Trump has some very, very enthusiastic supporters, you know, some even on the extreme, a lot of, you know, right wing extremists. And if he contests the election results, you could see some violence on behalf on, you know, on account of those people, you know, claiming that the election was stolen from him. I think that's a real possibility.
3: I just looked up according to Washington Post or no, I'm sorry. Heritage, Heritage Foundation, as you know, conservative think tank, they found 143 cases of criminal convictions involving absentee ballots over the last 20 years. That amounts to .00006% of total votes cast. So, I mean, we can obviously see that voter fraud is not, as Trump said in 2016, a massive issue that he even created a commission that disbanded because they didn't even find anything. We know that that's just a lie. He's just trying to sow doubt so that he can stay in office.
1: Julian, you've been quiet. Do you have any thoughts on all of this? I think it's risky. you know, With mail-in voting, I think it'll be the whole mess, as you were saying. I know for me as someone who, at least within my family, just my dad who lives in it, we are able to go in and vote. And I think we're lucky. We sort of have this privilege of being able to not have some of these health concerns that could affect us. But I do understand some people who have relatives in their family who are susceptible to some of these things and who can be, who can die from getting COVID and they just don't feel safe or secure. I know that when my, if my aunt was alive during this time, it'd be really hard. Someone with ALS is really susceptible to any form of diseases, any form of sicknesses. So I think There has to be a way for people who don't feel safe going into these lines or being able to vote. And I know there are forms of that that exist for people who can't go to a poll. But it'll be interesting to see how it'll work out when it happens. Um, Again, with the mail service, not enough people at the polls, working the polls. I know some people are like, say they want to do it online. And I think that makes no sense because I think that's even more riskier. That, is, that yeah, would that's be, we, we, yeah. we try
0: to do it with an app and that
1: Yeah, I know I think I think online would be stupid just yeah, because you be hack anything. Yeah. yeah. So that's yeah. sort of my thoughts on it. I, nothing I sort of agree with a lot of what all of you guys say, uh, with what Pat says, what Josh says, what you say. I think I sort of see it from all sides.
0: Oh, I just wanted to kind of switch topics, talk about the platform a little bit. So it's it, Trump's platform in 2020 was not decided by like committees and all that, like democratic platform was, it was just released on his website. It was a bulleted list of categorical policy. And so Pat, I, I like, I don't know if you're like familiar with everything that he's doing. Cause there's a lot of issues and a lot of everything. I don't mm-hmm. know. I just thought some of these are really interesting and I'd, I'd love to get your thoughts on them. Who uh Trump? Yes. Yeah, so, yeah. Okay. So, I mean, how about I just like, I'll read some of the interesting ones and, You know, we can discuss them one by one. And this is on his
2: website, or
0: yeah, this is DonaldJTrump.com. So I mean, the first one I kind of want to look at is um, okay. It's under education, and it's teaching American exceptionalism in schools. I kind of I'm wondering what you think about that. You know, changing the curriculum to to portray America in a more positive light in history classes. I mean, I think that's a good thing. I I see no problem with having pride in your country
2: and showing good aspects. Like I feel, I mean, especially at Penn Charter, it's just like, oh, we hate America, like America stuff. And like people really take for granted. It sounds really corny, like how great this country actually is. Like the fact that we can sit on this podcast and disagree with the president, like you can't do that in a lot of countries. And I don't think that's really
0: instilled in kids these days. Like I wish people would have pride in their country. So I be no issue. interesting the next one is under defending our police and it's prosecuting drive-by shootings as an act of domestic terrorism i don't know i i just just uh learned that this was on the platform and i found this one super interesting because a lot of these points are really vague but this one is very very specific do you have any thoughts on that As against like prosecuting drive-by shootings like i don't know it's not even like a point i feel like
2: i don't know why he would include that but i think drive-by shootings are already prosecuted, like, I I don't, I don't really know how to respond to that. As
0: an act of terrorism, though, like they would be... Oh,
2: yeah, I don't... I think that should be decided by, like, each state or, like, municipality. Like, I don't really see... That to be, like, a federal issue.
0: Okay, here's one. Uh, Launch the Space Force, establish permanent manned presence on the moon, and send the first manned mission to Mars. I mean, I think that would be pretty great. Isn't Elon Musk already trying to do that? He's probably saw that, and he's probably licking his lips trying to get in on that. Any of you, uh, Josh or Julian, you guys have thoughts on that or any of the other ones we've listed? I mean,
3: going along with that except American exceptionalism, I agree with Pat. We should, we should not only highlight the bad things, but we should also highlight the good things that America has done. I mean, obviously, we all know the the atrocities that happened in the past. But I also think that we also need to show what actually happened because, you know, as we all learned in push, a lot of that stuff wasn't taught in middle school and then earlier in upper schools, and we just learned it there in A-Push. I mean, most kids aren't learning what actually happened. I think, you know, that old adage, if you don't learn history, you're gonna repeat it. So I think we have to find a mix of shining a light on the good stuff of America, but also showing what actually happened in our history and learning from it, but not necessarily saying that America is all bad and it's all terrible, but we also need
0: to shine a light on that side of what happened. Julian, any thoughts?
1: Yeah, I'm going to sort of go off what Josh said. I think we should have sort of this patriotic history, but we also have to have this a history where we understand and listen to the experiences of others that are within our country. Because no matter what, if you go, because there's like Black History Month, we sort of are taught about minority history and aspects that it's their history. But when in reality, Hispanic history, Black history is American history. I think that's a point that a lot of people need to understand that, we all have different experiences, and I think we all need to learn these. And I think sometimes people shy away from that. I sort of identify as almost like a progressive, and some of these ideas about these liberal agendas within education are like bad and anti patriotic. But I think instead, we're being like in the aspect of being progressive is we're taking some of these faults we had. And like Josh said, we need to learn about the mistakes that we made in the past to make sure we don't make them again to make America great, you know? So, I think if we're progressive with our education, if we learn from those mistakes and how we treated people and how the good things we did as well, I think that we can really make a great country that's great for everyone where we don't have some of these bleeps in history, you know? All
0: right. Next one is passing congressional term limits. This is something that I've I've thought about a little bit, and I'm interested to hear all of your guys' thoughts on that. We're going to start with Pat.
2: I mean, I think that's a great thing. They go there for four years like maybe 10 at most, get what they need to get done. They're not there for 30 plus years, just breaking in insider money and just corrupting our institutions. You got to change leadership.
0: Yeah, I think one positive of that, I mean, i obviously have to research the pros and cons and like talk to other people about it. But I think that a lot of people, they're doing stuff just to get elected and what's what's popular with the people that are giving them the money and the donors instead of actually focusing on their own ideology. And if they if they went in to their congressional term knowing like, okay, I'm here and I'm only staying here four years. I have no, I can't get in again. I think they're going to be more committed to helping the people because there's nothing at stake. They could focus yeah. on their ideology and their own, their principles because there's, they're in there and then they're out. Yeah. This is something I
3: agree with Trump on Congress is filled with a bunch of corrupt politicians, Mitch McConnell especially. I think term limits are actually smart. Two terms for senators and six at most for representatives. I think that would be smart, not only to get fresh ideas, but also to to stem the tide of corruption in congress right now because you have so many of these special interest groups especially after citizens united in 2010 there's just so many interest groups pumping money and it's kind of just diluting the voice of millions of americans most americans because most americans can't donate to their super PACs and get their voice heard more forcefully like these big money donors so i agree with term limits
0: the other side of it though if you have somebody who is beloved by their state or their district or whatever, the turnout is there every year and they just are like rocking it with their constituents, it would it would you not let that. them continue.
2: You have
3: that right now. Mitch has been in the Senate for years, decades. That's a bad corrupt. example. Though. He's also the most unpopular congressman. Yeah, president. but he's still getting voted in by the people of Kentucky. So, I mean, that's you just end up with the same problem. You end up with corrupt people there. We're pulling the strings so i mean you end up with the same problem
0: yeah i guess it's just like if i'm you know if i've lived let's say i'm living in philadelphia from you know age 30 to age 50 or whatever if i got this congress person that i know and i know their record and i know they're fighting for me and i want to keep voting them in and keep letting them you know trying to make my life better there's a part of me that's like well i want to keep i really i trust this person maybe not a personal relationship but i you know maybe i've done some work for their, their campaign or whatever maybe i've made calls to them and i I have a somewhat of a relationship with them, and I think that would impede that. But also, like, if there's a really popular congressman, they can just endorse their successor, and that successor can continue all of yeah. their legacy, and it can just keep going mm-hmm. like that. So I don't know. I just thought that was a really interesting point, and that's something that's not really talked about, but that's, like, a pretty big – that would be a pretty big change if that were to happen. I can't, see, can't see, that see that happening. One?
2: I think you just kind of put it on the website.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't know if that's how, how realistic that one is. I just thought it was interesting to look at. Because no one in Congress would even vote for that. <laughs> no, absolutely not. Because then, then they're out of a job. <laughs> they're out of a job, yeah. Probably the last one is about the police. It's, it's just very general. It's fully fund and hire more police and law enforcement officers. And this kind of connects to like conversations we've had on this podcast in previous episodes, just talking about this whole defund the police sentiment kind of ties into that. Trump has been openly very against the idea that. We should cut police funds. I'm wondering what your thoughts on that are, and what some potential solutions could be to you know the violence we've had, the police brutality we've had, and the you know some of the violent protests we've had.
2: You know, if communities don't want police, then the police shouldn't have to offer their services to that community or neighborhood. Because if like there's a mutual hatred, then no one really stands to gain from that. So I think communities should have the option to opt out, and those funds go to policing in other areas or social work in the area replacing the void the police left that's just my general take like if people don't want police then the police shouldn't have to be there
0: i don't know if people don't want police i mean i think there is a percentage of america that is like we need to abolish law enforcement which i've talked about i think is kind of stupid honestly but i don't th- i don't know if any counties would actually vote to abolish the police maybe like the county with the most police brutality or something like that but a lot of unfair. people
2: really hate the police i don't know if you
0: but you can also instagram no no i i'm on instagram every day and i see a lot of this stuff but i think a lot of people don't want to abolish the police they just want to greatly restructure how we do policing so i don't know if a lot of people would vote for actually getting rid of law enforcement altogether and I think we mm-hmm. can both agree that that is kind of a silly idea. So I don't know, but I think that is an interesting take. More community, you know, say, more community, kind of more democracy in this process of like how we decide about law enforcement. I think that's interesting.
3: I mean, a lot of people wouldn't guess this, but Pat and I are good friends, obviously disagree on a lot, but Jonah and Julian also exhibited, we can all have a civil conversation about our differences and still love the person that we're debating. As Antonin Scalia once said, he goes after ideas, not people. So do the same. Love your neighbor. Love God. That's all you got to do.
2: Last, I think some states are really going to shock people in 2020. That's all I'm going to say.
3: Really? What's the, states? the
0: official prediction right now? Are, do you have Trump at this point in time?
2: Yeah. Which states do you think are going to surprise? Well, I think Minnesota is going to go red. I think that's going to be huge shock. Yeah, I knew they were targeting it, but the polling there is like dismal. I don't know. Emerson had Trump within two points the other day. Six Democratic mm. mayors from Minnesota just endorsed Trump. And you can just look from 2008 to like 2016, like when Obama won there in 2008, it was a sea of blue. Mitt Romney yeah. loses again in 2012, a, a little bit more red. Trump loses by 2% in 2016. Like you start to see a lot of those blue counties fill up with red. I, I think this could really be the turning point in Minnesota. I also think New Hampshire, has a very strong chance of yeah,
0: really. Turning as well.
3: so, do you think Texas has a chance of going for Biden? No,
2: nah. if Ted Cruz can hold off it. Beto in 2018 during the blue wave, then Trump has no chance of losing in 2020. I
0: would look at Wisconsin right now yeah. just because of everything that happened with Jacob Blake and the, the violence there. And I've been, I was looking at some recent polling numbers of like, what are your opinions on the protests in general? And because there's a lot of violence, I I don't know, I don't know how much, how much violence actually is, but a lot of it is being displayed on the news. The opinions have dropped in the, in the recent months. So I think Wisconsin, because, and right, Minnesota also with Minneapolis, like those could be driving forces in how things shake out.
1: Do you think some of these violent protests are helping Trump? Definitely.
2: The people he does the worst with are like suburban women and the things suburban women care about the most is like safety. I know that's because I know a lot of suburban women who hate Trump, but like, (laughs) like I I think they just want like safety and like Trump's been kind of crazy. So they don't like him, but they maybe would choose Trump over like burning riots in the streets, you know, like burning cars, like burning buildings. So I think that could be very interesting.
3: But this is America under Trump though. Like, it's not like it's a Biden administration now. This is Trump's administration.
2: Well, who's doing the protests? I mean, if in 2012, just imagine if Tea Party members surrounded a Democratic senator like they did to Rand Paul. It would be completely yeah, a completely different narrative. narrative. Like, Rand Paul has been shot by a Democrat now. He's been, like, surrounded, harassed. Or no, I'm thinking of Steve Scalise. Excuse me. Rand Paul was beaten yeah, with Scalise. a bat by a Democrat. Steve Scalise was shot. Like people say Trump supporters are all like violent, but I'm really not seeing it on their side. It's more antifa people burning down buildings are all under the umbrella of the left.
0: But also, I think that the the language that Trump uses chi- trying to say that Biden is a puppet over the far left I, and like tying them in together. I don't know if that's the most strategically smart thing to do because Biden is a notorious moderate candidate. That was like one of his big things. That was one of his big selling points was like, I'm a moderate vote for me because I'm a moderate. So I think that saying that Biden is supports anarchy. I, I mean, I guess you I guess it would be fair to say like this could continue under him. But Biden also has a, a tough on crime record and he has denounced the violence many times. I just saw an ad like watching a YouTube video today where he was talking about denouncing the violence. So I mean, we'll have to just see how it shakes out. And honestly, at this point, I would not be surprised with either result. Biden's just so spineless
2: that you can just have a meeting with him and just insert your views into him. He has no, like just think of his 50 years in public record. Like what, just think of any like core values he has. Like I, in core views, like Bernie. Well, his his core views
0: are serve my donors. Exactly. His core views are serve my donors, but I'm on the left and we're trying to get him to do things that are not supported by the donors. We're trying to make him we're trying to have him do you know, legalize marijuana and universal healthcare and all this stuff, and he's notorious, notoriously resistant to that. So, like, yes, I be, like he. I don't think, I don't think he has principles. I think his principle is like not the left, and you saw it with his platform. You know, I thought I think a lot of those policy concessions are just purely theatrics. You kind of seen the Democratic Party run to the right in recent years. I don't know if like if that's the correct messaging is to say Biden is a puppet for antifa because he he's not I mean, just you know?
2: just like theoretically i know josh would agree or probably all of you guys are disagreeing with me on this but just hypothetically like if biden were president right now do you think that he would send in troops like i think to no. ensure stability you have to send in some sort of federal troops like the national guard to keep order and stability biden okay. would not do that because he's politically correct doesn't Pat, you, people. Pat, you and me are both
3: conservatives, right? So we both believe in. Well, I don't a...
2: know about you, Josh, but well, Pat,
3: just because I don't support Trump does not mean that I'm uh, a conservative. We both right. believe in a small, limited federal government, right? Don't you think that's you know sending troops to Portland, just pretty much kidnapping these protesters who are out after curfew? That's a local ordinance. That's not a federal ordinance. Don't you think that's a breach of federal authority there? Don't you think that that just violates local sovereignty?
2: If Get democratic governors are not taking order of their cities and states for the sole purpose of being politically correct, and then I think the federal government stepped
3: in. But did you did you see the videos? Those guys weren't riding, they weren't stealing, they were just walking around.
2: But what did they do before that? Like the one lady I saw like the video in New New York City, like NYPD like nabbed a lady or like Trump secret police. Like that lady had, I can't remember off the top of my head exactly what she did, but she had like broken federal property, she had like burn cars i think they should be arrested maybe you disagree if people no, break if they, federal property they should be arrested yeah but portland
3: they weren't touching federal property not those people who were arrested i mean they were just dragged into a mini game the rioters in riot. portland
2: did not break federal property no i'm not
3: talking about the rioters. i'm talking about those who were arrested by mass federal agents who were sent into portland who are not specifically trained for riot control. These are just random agents from CBP, DHS, ICE, all these places, and taking in these people who are just roaming the streets after curfew, again, a local coordinate ordinance, and then not read their rights, just taken away into some holding place nobody knew. Don't you think that that's a problem? Don't you think that's something that would happen in Russia, China, Iran, all these authoritarian places?
2: Well, if our justice system... Does its job, then they will be let free. As simple as that.
0: We actually did um, an episode on this earlier in the podcast, talking about Trump's speech saying he was going to send federal troops in, and we had we had disagreements. What just my concern with that is that one, sending in the military, they're they're trained killers. They're not trained to police citizens. They're not trained for riot control. They're trained to kill people as efficiently and effectively as possible. Um, and in addition, Trump's own Trump ordered the police to gas peaceful protesters for his photo op. So I don't I, I personally I don't trust that the that the military, if they were in cities, would only go after the peaceful protesters. And we've seen countless videos of peaceful protesters being attacked by police. I think there's also a lot of people not causing property damage, holding a sign, you know, marching in their in the rally, I, you know, I've condoned the violence and the setting fire to property and all of that. And
3: I think think we all can agree that that's wrong. Yeah. Like just burning stuff. And and I think that the police should be
0: protecting these buildings and they should, I think the police should be trying to stop these riots. But also there's a lot of instances not only of people getting shoved into vans, not arrested for anything, into unmarked federal vans, but there's a lot of videos like the one in Buffalo of the old guy being shoved down by the the entire group of police officers. Oh yeah, that was was, that was bad. I think there's a lot of instances where there's peaceful protesters who in some way either verbally provoke the police, I think the police should not be attacking them. But I think, you know, if if you're going to go out and set fire to a building, like you're going to tell me you shouldn't be arrested. Come on.
2: I mean, I'm not just saying necessarily you guys, but I think media and a lot of Democrats are so quick to say like, oh, this is a peaceful protest. Like, I don't know if you guys saw the picture on CNN. It was like, oh, peaceful protest in Kenosha right now. There's like a burning dumpster it's like, gas in the background. I was like, oh. Um, <laughs> um,
0: well, I'd love to see some stats on it, because I, personally, I'm sure we would agree on this, that I don't I don't trust any of the news media's coverage of this. Yeah. And, uh, well. Fox News, MSNBC, CNN, because they all got their own agendas. They're all trying to push mm-hmm. a narrative. They're different narratives, but they're all trying to push something. I would like to see some statistics or some numbers on how much is actually peaceful, how much is actually violent, and whether the violence is coordinated or it's just people that are so angry that they're, like, Fuck it! I'm just gonna throw this molotov cocktail at this dumpster, or it's like you know an organized thing. I haven't seen much evidence of it being organized, and I haven't even seen many statistics of what you know how many of this was peaceful versus how many of it was violent. I think that would be interesting.
2: I mean, you have to fact check me on this, but I believe in Kenosha and Minneapolis, most of the people arrested were either from out of state or from out of county. Like even Kyle Rittenhouse was not even from the state. Like people come in for their own agendas. And then the media reports like, oh, like destruction in the narrative is just so messed up. Like right, people come in for their own gonna, agendas.
0: They're going to fit the story to their narrative because they're trying to push something on you. I'd love to see some objective empirical data on this or some objective analysis from some nonpartisan or whatever sources that don't, that don't have an agenda, don't have as much of an ideology. I mean, I know it's hard to do.
1: Do you see that new hmm. Netflix thing where they have like a non-biased news thing? I don't know if they're starting to sign up like that. I saw it in the news somewhere about how, like, this. I, I forget who's trying to set it up, but they said it was like a non-biased news source. And I was sort of like wondering if that would
3: actually I could never possibly. trust
1: Netflix with news. Yeah, no. No, I don't, know if it was, <laughs> I don't know if it was Netflix, but it was something. I forget what it was. Something. Yeah,
0: Netflix doesn't pay federal tax. Do you think they're going to report on, here's all the companies that don't pay tax? Like, obviously not.
1: You know? No, I don't have it right in front of me, but I, I
3: don't know how to pull it up. Let's see. Pat, we are not the mainstream media. We are the enlightened few who have 50 <laughs> listeners.
2: The only person on mainstream
0: media who I will watch is Tucker Carlson. Oh, my Ooh. goodness.
3: He's not mainstream, Pat. Hold on
0: now. Yes, he is. Tucker One thing I would say about him is that he's very good at his job. I think he's very – He's right. a propagandist. I think he's a propagandist, but he's better at it than – Probably most, if not all, of the other Fox News hosts. Mm-hmm. He'll intertwine. He's you know, smart. I mean, Paul he's Stark smart. He he'll does. Intertwine his own spin on it in seeming objective. It's very, it's very clever how he does it, and I give him credit for being good at his job. But I also don't like him. So.
2: And I feel like Jonah might like him too, but I'm a big Ma- Bill Maher fan.
0: Big Bill, Bill Maher? Maher. Yeah, Bill Bill Maher. Whenever I I don't know. I don't really watch like mainstream. Yeah, I don't watch. Yeah, me. I know he has his like HBO thing, right? Yeah, that's what I watched. It's like hilarious. Yeah, I know he doesn't. He's very honest. Yeah, he's funny. I like Trevor Noah too. Trevor uh, Noah, he's pretty anti-Trump. I I wouldn't go to him for like breaking news or anything, but I I like. I think he's funny. Jonah, where do you
3: get your news from?
0: um, I mean, I read a lot of sources. I read the New York Times. I read. I really like the Intercept. The Intercept. You guys know about the Intercept. They're one of the only. Quote unquote liberal sources that will call out corruption in the Democratic Party as well as the Republican Party. I think CNN and NBC do not do that. And the, even to the extent the Washington Post and the New York Times don't do it as well as The Intercept. Um, but I, I also listen to like commentators, but they're not like breaking the news for me. They're just kind of speaking on their interpretations of it. I'm also on Twitter, so I'll see breaking news stories on there, like on the trending page and stuff. Anybody look at your
1: news from TikTok? Bro. No. <laughs> I, I also,
0: the conservative hype house is a freak it uh
3: <laughs> i go to i watch that for memes cannot yeah, take them know. serious pat do you watch oan no
0: they're very they're like i know they're a right wing no they're just a conspiracy one american news it.
2: network yeah
3: no like
0: their thing is just all like
2: just shitty media can't even watch it like to so where like graphics it's just all like patchy and it's just for like old people i don't know
0: one source i would recommend to you guys is the intercept i think they do really good reporting And they call out Democratic corruption as well as Republican corruption, as well as everything in between and everything else. I do read a lot of Breitbart. Oh,
3: man. What do you think about his defrauding of donors, Pat? Uh, I
2: think that's Pat. You don't believe it? I
0: mean, didn't they, like, do an investigation on it?
2: All right. Well, he hasn't been on trial yet, so we'll we'll see what happens. One last question.
3: Would you ever – can you ever see yourself in a world where you will turn from Trump and you'll
0: support Biden? Unless Biden like personally like, gave me a large sum of money, is there any policy that if Biden promised that he would enact it, you'd vote for him? Not Biden. I, if Bernie was like anti-immigration and like
2: more, I think Bernie, I would vote for Bernie if he was more pro-American because I don't like moderate candidates for
0: the well, most part. I agree part. with you
2: on that. You
0: know, uh, uh, thank you very
3: much, buddy. Yeah, thank you so uh, much.